It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, Bengals fans, We are going to get into the second quarter of the Cincinnati Bengals schedule, including games against the Baltimore Ravens at Baltimore in week five, a trip to Indianapolis in week six, and a little two-game road trip. But neither of those games require the Bengals to go very far. Then the Bengals play the Browns at home in week seven. We talked about the Browns matchup yesterday. Nothing really changes in week seven except for that it's not in primetime and it's in Cincinnati. So we're not going to talk about that one as much. And then the Bengals get the Titans at home again. And the Titans are a team that became very interesting late last year. But for me, James, the game of this sequence is week five against Baltimore. The division matchup really stands out. Absolutely, it does. This is going to be such a measuring stick because you, you look at the Ravens and what they've done to that roster over the past couple of years and that's the barometer, right? That is that is the the class of the AFC North, at least up until this point. They've won the division back-to-back years. You have the reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson. And they might have, Jake, they might have the best roster in the league. Like, if you told me the Ravens are the best team in the league, I wouldn't really argue it. I think they, they have one of the best rosters, and I think this is such a huge game for the Bengals early in the season. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. So we'll take a look at the Ravens roster in a little bit of depth to start the show before we take a look at the significant additions and the challenges in the matchup with the Titans and the Colts. Then for the third segment of the show, we're joined Cody and John from the Locked On Texans podcast, and we'll talk about what it's like to cover a team that's run by Bill O'Brien. But first, let's get into the (laughs) Ravens matchup. James, the Ravens looked great last year, all season long. Super Bowl MVP in Lamar Jackson, top to bottom, that offense does things uniquely in the NFL. They've added talent. They've added quite a bit on both sides of the ball. In fact, they had a great draft, according to the standards of most pundits. This game will be a good measuring stick for the Bengals early in the season. It will going on the road to face arguably the best team in football, a team that has added to its roster, a roster that already looks stacked on paper and and was one of the best teams in the league last year. This is going to be such a challenge for Joe Burrow in in week five with no OTAs, no mini camp, who knows what training camp's going to look like. And now you have to go on the road and face what is arguably the best team in the league. It's going to be tough. And, And you just hope, I think back to 2004, Carson Palmer went into Baltimore, and that was kind of the beginning. It was a huge fourth-quarter comeback, a springboard into that 2005 season. You hope that it's 
almost that same result where regardless if they win or lose and they're going to be definite underdogs, you come out of that game feeling good about the Bengals, about the direction they're in. I'm not going to be expecting a win or, ho- or you know hoping for a win in this one. You just hope that they're competitive and you feel good about the direction they're going against a, a really tough Ravens team. Yeah, on paper, this doesn't look great for really anybody going against Baltimore. They address the significant weakness on their team, and really there's two. One of them was at the linebacker level where they've drafted Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, who are two very good linebacker prospects. Both of them were guys that were high on the locked-on Bengals draft board. They go out and sign Derek Wolfe and trade for Calais Campbell for essentially nothing, a fifth-round pick. They draft Justin Matabike in the third round, who at that point is a fantastic value pick. Somebody that we thought about at the top of the second round wouldn't be that crazy of a pick. So on defense, they address their front seven with five new players that really hit at the core needs of that defense, which are generating a pass rush. And despite his age, Kalias Campbell, late bloomer, still very productive. Matabike offers a little bit of an interior pass rush, and then they get athletic at the second level, which is something that they sorely missed last year. That goes along with what's already a strong secondary, James, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith is a backup at this point, Chuck Clark, the strong safety, just signed an extension, and the defense looks suddenly a lot better, and they really put it together after the first few weeks of last season anyway. They did. And you're right. I really like what they did to give this pass rush a boost. You get Derek Wolf to play next to Brandon Williams. Calias Campbell was a steal, and they get him for a fifth-round pick. I don't know what it is with these teams. First Marcus Peters and now Calias Campbell. I think it was two-fifths that they gave up for both of those guys. That is, uh, th- that's stealing. And, and so when you do that on defense and then you flip it over on offense and they add J.K. Dobbins in round two – which I think he's a guy that can help Mark Ingram stay healthy, keep Ingram fresh throughout the year. And I really like their wide receivers. I, I think they complement what Lamar Jackson does well. You got Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown. And then Devin Duvernay, he's a guy I know you guys talked about him here on Locked on Bengals. I really liked him coming out. And, and the fact that he ends up in Baltimore, I think it's a pretty good landing spot. And he could have some success in the slot right away for the Ravens. So, I like this team a lot. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Most people know how I feel about Lamar Jackson. He's a playmaker and really a guy that hasn't reached his full potential. I get it. He was the MVP last year, but he's still building and still improving. And I think he's going to be even better this season. One big question when you look at that Baltimore offense is the guard position where they are dealing with the retirement of Marshall Yonda. They drafted a few linemen, Tyree Phillips, who was at the Senior Bowl, didn't have a very good time there, and Ben Bredesen from Michigan, who is actually a guy that I liked as probably a fifth-round prospect. They get him in the fourth round, but that interior of the offensive line for the Ravens is a little bit unrecognizable with Bradley Bozeman, Matt Skura, and Ben Powers. If there is a weakness on this team, you might look there, and you mentioned that you like the receivers, but I do have questions there. Marquise Brown comes back healthy in year two. That should be an improvement for him as last year he was playing through injuries for the entire season. Beyond that, though, Miles Boykin is still a huge question mark to me. Devin Duvernay could be a weapon. Really like the speed there. James Proche, again, a six-round draft pick. Really like the speed. And the speed of this offense is definitely the biggest strength. I do think they have some questions to answer, especially on that interior offensive line, but their weapons might make up for it. And I guess... 
it's probably worth clarifying. I think these questions for the Ravens team are relatively minor. And given the way they play on offense, I, I wouldn't be that worried about it if I were a Ravens fan. I just wanted to try to find some sliver for the Bengals, somewhere where we could attack, right? That's that's what you got to do, and I, I totally get it. And you're right, though, about Marquise Brown's health. I, I think there's there's something there. Certainly the wide receiver core is unproven. I just think with a guy like Lamar Jackson, he can help hide some of that. Even the offensive line issues, he's so athletic and so quick in the way he moves. I think he can make that line look a little better than it is, and they can lean on the running game and, and lean on the defense, which is obviously their plan. So Baltimore is going to be a tough out this year. Uh, last I checked, they were favored in all 16 games. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see how the Ravens do after winning back-to-back division titles. That's crazy. I didn't know that they were favored in every single – I mean, it's the opposite of the Bengals, right? This this game to Vegas looks like a blowout on paper, and I have a hard time disagreeing, honestly, if I'm looking <laughs> at it from a, from a cold, hard facts perspective. Uh, we have a couple other games to talk about in this quarter of the season, and maybe they'll be a little bit more winnable on paper in May because so much is going to change, right? Like, what if Lamar Jackson, God forbid, gets hurt? What if, you know, I don't know, Earl Thomas, who knows what's happening with him, right? With this weird news story about his <laughs> escapades with his brother. Let's talk about football, though, instead of Earl Thomas's <laughs> escapades with his brother. You sure? I am certain. Before we talk about more football, though, James, let's talk about our fantastic sponsor, Built Bar, your favorite protein bar. I am out of my free samples. I might have to go redeem our promo code because we can get $10 off right now using promo code locked on on builtbar.com. But tell the people why these are so great. They're great because they are, it's the perfect protein bar, Jake, honestly, because you can get. If you were thinking of a a protein bar that had great taste, that fit your macros, that was packed with protein and had low sugar, that's what these are. And they have a bunch of different flavors for you. I mentioned peanut butter the other day. I have those in my closet. Had a coconut almond one today. I also love the mint chocolate. So you can't go wrong. You tried the sample pack. Order them now. Use promo code Locked On and save $10 off your first order. You won't regret it, I promise. Built Bar. Promo code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast as we look at quarter number two of the Bengals schedule. And Jake, let's look at week six. The Bengals take on the Indianapolis Colts on the road certainly a, an interesting matchup let's uh what stands out to you about this matchup and, and i will mention right before we uh we break down this game it was interesting charles robinson earlier this week mentioned andy dalton and an interest there from the colts had they not signed philip rivers to the one-year 25 million dollar deal so this potentially could have been the first time the Bengals matched up against andy dalton not the case Instead, they take on Philip Rivers in a, a weird Colts roster. 
you know, that that was actually one of the destinations that made a lot of sense to Andy Dalton for Andy Dalton to me. I think that maybe we even heard some interest from the Colts during the free agency period before they ended up with Phillip Rivers, now that you mention it. Or maybe that was just some whispers that, that we ended up getting. But the Colts are just a weird team, man. The, the AFC South just bent over backwards for the Colts to win it with Andrew Luck there, even with as good as Andrew Luck was. Those Colts teams weren't all that good from a roster perspective, from a talent perspective. And the AFC South was just so bad for so many years that the Colts were winning six games before they even had to start their season. Because literally, like they would literally just win the AFC South and they go nine and seven. They go three and three and five against the rest of the NFL they'd face and they make the playoffs. And maybe that's hyperbole, but the Colts have always been a weird team to me for that reason. Now Phillip Rivers is is potentially still a good quarterback. He might have some dead arms starting, but this is a team that's clearly still in win now mode. They trade for DeForest Buckner, which is kind of a weird move. They've acquired Xavier Rhodes. And I mean, they still seem to be thinking that they can be competitive right now with a team that just, I don't know, man, I don't know what it is about the Colts. They just are always so boring to me. What's, what's exciting about this team? I mean, Andrew Luck isn't even there anymore. They're even, even boring to me when Andrew Luck was there. Maybe that says more about me than them. I don't think it does. I, I actually, I'm with you. And I think the Colts, I, we're going to get ripped for this, <clears throat> or at least I am. I think they're a little overrated as an organization, right? They had Peyton Manning. They, they were a dumpster fire beforehand. They didn't give him enough. Those defenses were never good enough. They were never built to beat New England, which was their longtime nemesis for so many years. And then they walk into Andrew Luck and he retires basically because his body's been beaten up so bad. Part of that was him. And part of that was their inability to, to give him a, a solid offensive line, which when we look at the Bengals is an argument to – give the Mm -hmm. offensive line and boost it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But back to the Colts, like the Phillip Rivers deal in hindsight, and I get it in the moment, but the way the quarterback market went is one of the worst deals of the off season. I don't mind Phillip Rivers as a quarterback, but $25 million to Phillip Rivers versus Cam Newton, who's a free agent, Andy Dalton, who ended up being a free agent. And I get it. Hindsight's always 2020, but if you're in win now mode, would you rather have Cam or Philip Rivers in, in this season? I would rather have Cam Newton, and I get there's injury questions. So it's uh it's a weird team. I do think it's a, a pretty solid roster up front. I do like that they went and got DeForest Buckner. I think their their defense has improved. Chris Ballard may know what he's doing, but Andrew Luck's gone. And in so now they're kind of searching for that next franchise quarterback. I, I don't think it's Phil Rivers at this stage of his career. He might be solid. He might be a competent starter, but I don't think he's anything more than that. So it's they're, they're in a real weird spot right now where they're trying to build and win now, but they're doing it without a long-term answer at quarterback. And I think that's a, an extremely tough place to be in as a franchise. Yeah, they might find themselves in quarterback purgatory with mm-hmm. without ever finding a franchise quarterback with the current iteration of their win-now roster. You got T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell as your wide receivers. Pretty solid group. Some health questions there, some rookie questions with Pittman. But generally, that, that's a group that looks fine to me. On the offensive line, you got it anchored by Anthony Costanzo, who's coming back instead of retiring. Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. 
And then the right side doesn't look quite so promising. Mark Glowinski and Braden Smith. Although Braden Smith, I think, is a guy that is a big hit. Uh, second year, uh, second round pick, I should say, from 2018. And then you get Philip Rivers to go with a running back duo of Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, receiving back Naheem Hines. When you actually look at all the individual names, it looks fairly competent. And you know what I don't look forward to playing when we look at this offense is Roosevelt Knicks. I thought we wouldn't ever have to see him again. He is not, I mean, he he kicked, he, he's cleating people in the face. He likes to dive at players' knees. Uh, if you're a linebacker, you got to keep your head on a swivel with that guy around. I'm with you. And, and I also, I can't believe you haven't mentioned this, but it, it stands out to me on the depth chart. And I'm going to sound really smart here, even though I had no clue he was on the team. Bengals legend Matt Lengel is a, a member. He's a backup tight end legend. on the Colts. Behind Jack Doyle. You wouldn't call him a Bengals legend? Oh, man. He's the guy that played for the Bengals. You're you're overlooking the Bengals legend, Matt Lengel. I mean, all those big touchdown catches he had during his prime, man. And he's in Indianapolis. So, heck, the the hell with an Andy Dalton reunion. It's a Matt Lengel reunion. Matt Lengel caught touchdowns for the Cincinnati Bengals? On Madden. Maybe. Maybe on Madden. Uh, I I don't know if you could ever get in on Madden. (laughs) You know what? I I do like what the Colts did in this draft, just to give them a little bit of credit. They've been generally a solid drafting team. I don't love the second round capital on a running back, but I do like the Michael Pittman pick. And Danny Pinter, who is from Ball State, a hyper-athletic offensive lineman. They've got him listed at guard on our lads, but I think he could play tackle in the league. That's a fun developmental piece. Let's flip it over, though, James. Look at the defense here. We talked about the defensive line, Justin Houston and DeForest Buckner acquisitions, recent acquisitions. But the real strength of this team is in the linebacking core where they've just hit on draft picks where the Bengals have not. They hit on Bobby Okereke in the third round, Anthony Walker in the fifth round, and Darius Leonard, who was a defensive rookie of the year in the second round. Just absolute home runs of linebacker picks in the middle rounds for them. And that's really the strength of this defense. You look at it, and that's why they invested up front into Forrest Buckner to try to add to the pass rush. You mentioned Houston as well, because this linebacker group is is exciting. In, in they're young, uh, obviously led by Darius Leonard. And you're right; that's the beauty. That's what you hope as a Bengals fan that the linebacker room morphs into kind of what the Colts have built. Uh, so I, I mentioned Chris Ballard. I think he's done a pretty solid job. I just think the Colts' reputation is is a little higher and they're, they're held in, in higher regard than what the actual resume says. And when you look at, yeah. And then, and then you look at that secondary and, and it's interesting because I, I like TJ Carey. He was a, a backup that got a decent amount of snaps last year for Cleveland. I got to cover him a little bit there. And, and then Malik Hooker is a guy who I liked a lot He's coming out of the cut. Yeah. Coming out of the draft. I loved him. Uh, he, he was one of those guys that I wouldn't have argued with. Uh, ninth overall we obviously knew the Bengals weren't going quarterback in that 2017 draft obviously they went with John Ross and I like that pick too but Hooker's a guy that they they didn't pick up the fifth year option he's dealt with some injuries but when he's been healthy he's a a promising player so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays this season certainly a, a prove it year for a young player like Hooker this is a winnable game to me let's get into week eight back at home the Bengals host the Tennessee Titans and their Hulk of a running back. I mean, have you ever looked at Derrick Henry and, and just like been like, man, what what the hell is this? How How is this guy a human being that 
I mean, he is an absolute monster. It's just mind blowing to see the way he moves at his size. It's it's insane. But that's that's like the whole team, right? Like, I mean, there's other players, obviously, but he's such a huge part of their success. He is. In the, I love what they did in round one, and he's a guy that heck, Paul Daner Jr. said it last week, and we've talked about it. I think Isaiah Wilson might have been the pick at 33. Instead, the Titans get him at at pick 29 at the end of the first round and Isaiah Wilson's a big athletic type of guy uh it's it really is it's going to be a tough test and the thing that stands out to me most about the Titans and I don't think I would have said this a year ago they're one of the most well-coached teams in the league and that might have been unfair of me to not say it a year ago but last year the way they were coached the job Rabel did how he out Belichicked Belichick in the playoffs you know just knowing the little intricacies and roles that he could use and things like that like I I really think that this Titans team is boring to a degree, but they win and they win with defense and they win by out just outmanning you up front. And I think that's going to be a significant challenge in week seven. Can the Bengals defensive line, can those linebackers have success against this offensive front? We're in week eight. We skipped week seven because that's the Browns again. So th- just just oh. in case we're anyone <laughs> before before anybody tweets you and is like, oh, it's week eight, James. Come on, get. Uh, that's I'll, right. I'll just I'll just get that it's on the record eight. here for us. Yeah, but thank you. Uh, there there are some other players on this team. They're good, and and I like your point about them being boring because they're kind of boring in the good way, where they're going to lull you to sleep and then beat the shit out of you. I mean, <laughs> they they have an absolute all star of a wide receiver in AJ Brown, who they get in the second round last year. They still have Corey Davis, who still has a chance, right, to be a more productive player in the NFL. They get Adam Humphreys to play the slot from Tampa Bay. And the offensive line, obviously pretty damn good. Lewan, or Taylor Lewan, sorry, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones on the inside. That's a really solid left side of the offensive line. Isaiah Wilson's going to challenge Dennis Daly at right tackle. And otherwise, somebody could step in at guard. They are going to find a good group of five out of those uh, offensive lineman choices. Ryan Tannehill obviously has a, a comeback year for the ages in Tennessee. Is he still going to be that guy? I mean, they just paid him a lot of money, so they have to hope that he's going to be able to continue to push them forward. It's it's just, I, I think so much of it is coaching because you look up and down the roster, there's some okay players here and there, but nothing really stands out. I will say that my favorite draft pick, you talked about Isaiah Wilson, was Christian Fulton, who I could not believe was available that late in the second round. Joe Burrow loves him. Joe Burrow hated to throw against him in practice. Uh, yeah, and that's it's going to be an interesting matchup, right? When you see so many of these LSU players have gotten drafted. Uh, it, it, so we talked about Grant Delpit yesterday. And so it will be interesting to see how Joe Burrow does uh, against the Christian uh, Fulton and some of his other former LSU teammates. I'm with you. As far as value goes, that's probably their best value pick because he's a guy, if he went – Back end round one, early round two, I don't think anyone flinches or, or says anything about it. And he falls to the end of round two. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that this this Tennessee team, it, it's almost like their floor is nine and seven. And, and really the, the only way if you're the Bengals uh, that you feel good about it is if Ryan Tannehill comes back down to earth. And I think he will a bit. I'm not a believer. I wouldn't have paid him that type of money. And I get you want continuity and all that stuff. I just, to me, it was a bit much, especially now when I look at the quarterback market and and how it went, but they did it and they want Ryan Tannehill to be their guy. And it'll be interesting to see if it could continue this season. I mean, he was really good 
like beyond just stats, Ryan Tannehill was extremely good on tape productivity wise until the playoffs when they just leaned hard into Derrick Henry. And then you really wonder, okay, how much do they trust Tannehill? They paid him like they trust him. But I did find that that kind of shift toward really leaning on Derrick Henry in the playoffs to be interesting. All the tropes about running wins in the playoffs, defense wins in the playoffs aside, we should talk about the defense, though, because that is the strength of this team. They they were excellent in 2019. I, I don't think that they've really gotten worse anywhere. They've added uh, Vic Beasley as a potential pass rusher. But their offseason was pretty quiet. They also get Ty Sam Brelo as a free agent, but he's kind of a backup. Speaking of Jonathan Joseph, who we're going to mm-hmm. talk about with our Houston Texans colleagues in just a few minutes, going along with Isaiah Wilson, Christian Fulton, there aren't a whole lot of new faces here. But if they get the similar production, if they respond as well to coaching for a second straight year, there's good development, there's good scheme soundness. There's a lot to fear. This isn't Cincinnati. That's something going in the Bengals' favor. Uh, adding uh, DJ Reader is a significant difference that that should help the Bengals get to to uh, Derrick Henry. But we'll see if they can tackle him, right? Because that that's the challenge, I think, with him. But we are joined coming up next by our colleagues from the Locked On Texans podcast. We had a great conversation, learned a little bit more about DJ Reader talked about what it's like to cover Bill O'Brien. And toward the end, I I think something that we'll talk about when we get to that matchup in week 16, there's some parallels between Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. And there's a question I'd really like to ask Burrow that, that is something that Deshaun Watson does. So we'll get to all that next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's crossover time here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Let's chat with our Locked On Texans counterparts as John Hickman and Cody Davis uh, are joining us. And guys, let's start with a a player that uh, was the Bengals' bell of the ball this offseason. They signed, well, I guess outside of Joe Burrow, they signed DJ Reader in free agency. Uh, It was the, the first of many big moves that the Bengals make. They're not known for their big, splashy free agent moves. So I'll start with this. What are the Bengals getting in defensive tackle, DJ Reader? Smart-nosed player, a guy that over the course of his time here in Houston, uh, he has continuously grown each season and has gotten better. He's going to be very good at helping the linebackers fulfill their assignments by taking care of his job. You know, they're going to be able to get to those holes quickly because he's doing what he has to do. He's not going to give you sacks, right? He's going to give you one and a half, two and a half, maybe three, but he's going to make it very difficult for offensive linemen to really get a push. And he's very good at creating uh, so much difficulty for that run game. When J.J. Watt went down, when the merciless went down, the Texas run game suffered, but it wasn't because of, DJ Reader, he still was able to perform at a high level without the added 
top-tier talent around him, and that's what you're going to get. He's smart. He knows how to play the interior defensive line, and he reminds me a little bit of Vince Wilford. Everybody else can really shine. I'm going to do my job to make sure everybody else is taken care of. You know, it's interesting that you say that he's not going to generate much of a pass rush. I'm just looking at his PFF productivity. He had 36 pressures last year, his best year by far as a pass rusher, only three sacks, but had 11 more QB hits, 22 hurries to his credit. That was one of the reasons I was actually excited about Reader is because in addition to being an incredible run defender, one of the best nose tackle run defenders in the NFL, as you said, controlling his gaps nearly to perfection unless he's playing against Quentin Nelson. I I like that he has a little bit of juice as a pass rusher too that showed up last year. And maybe that doesn't translate to quite that degree, but I am hopeful that he's a little bit of a threat as a pass rusher. But let's shift gears talking a little bit about Bill O'Brien because, and maybe you guys are sick of it, but we as Bengals journalists and or fans are used to bad ownership. Mike Brown seen by many as one of the worst owners, worst GMs in the NFL. Meanwhile, you guys are covering a team run by Bill O'Brien who just executed what is seen by most as one of the worst trades in NFL history. How's that been over the last couple of years? The GM and head coach running this team and doing some questionable, let's say, things to be kind. Well, let's just say that he's not the first general manager in Houston. I don't know what it is, but it seems like anybody who takes on a role as general manager in Houston, they all of a sudden want to be this big risk taker. I mean, we see it, we saw it with the Rockets. We've now seen it with the Texans and Bill O'Brien is just another risk taker. And, um, you know, let me just talk about the trade with DeAndre Hopkins it's two ways you can look at this. When you take the emotions out, Bill O'Brien did that trade for a financial reasons and B for a team value reason as well. Uh, I'm going to start with the financial reason. Um, you saw how much we signed Laramie Tunsil last week when we finally got his deal done with Deandre Hopkins wanting a new contract that would have left one of three people, Three guys not able to get a new new extension, which, of course, is Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, and Hopkins. After the haul that we gave up for Laramie Tunsil, there's no way in hell Bill O'Brien could afford to let Tunsil walk out the door next year in free agency for nothing. And, you know, so damn well we're not giving up Deshaun Watson for anything. That left DeAndre Hopkins as the guy as the odd man out. So you got to look at the got to look at the standpoint from a financial situation. Also, when you take a look at the the field production on on his play as a field production on on the field, you're looking at it from a standpoint where ever since let's say 2015 through 2016, Hopkins has been the main primary guy on the offense. It was always give him the ball, let him go to work, give him the ball, let him do his thing. That made the Texans offense kind of stagnant in years prior. And last season was the first time I noticed something different with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien did not want to use as use Hopkins as much. So you take a look at the guys that we brought in um, from Brandon Cooks to Randall Cobbs, even David Johnson to a certain extent. All of those guys who are now part of this roster, they're not going to one by one. They're not going to replace what Hopkins brought to the field. But every single one of them as a unit together, they can at least replace what Hopkins brought to the field. And 
it's not like we have one person now. We have multiple people. And one thing Bill O'Brien has talked about when talking about building this offense is the fact that he wanted it to be more versatility in the offense. And now we have that. No longer do they have a guy in Hopkins who can do it all. Once Deshaun Watson start cooking, he can hit every single one of those receivers. Now, of course, the biggest thing of all this is health. Health has to be on the Texans' side in order for this to work. If it if it's not, then Bill O'Brien might be without a job, let's say, within the next two years. But you have to look at it from a standpoint of, A, the financial, and, B, just having more versatility with the Texans' offense. All right, let me ask you guys this, because I, I think it's, it is it is interesting, and I understand the, the financial reasons why you would move on from a DeAndre Hopkins, and you could foresee potentially a decline in production moving forward and, and things like that. But it comes back to the Laramie Tunsil deal. And it was a deal that felt like a head coach who was also happened to be a GM was acting out of desperation to try to add to an offensive line that certainly needed help. Looking back at that deal, given what has happened since then, the snowball effect, how much they had to give up to get him, was it worth it in your guys' minds trading for Laramie Tunsil last season? Absolutely. Cody, you let me take it real quick. I mean, when we look at the entire league, and let's take it back to Andy Dalton's new home real quick. Dallas has been so good in the last five to six years simply because they've been able to protect their quarterback. And Dak Prescott is going on its, what, fourth year, fifth year? And the reason why we're talking about Dak, you know, being so efficient, being in the discussion to make a point that he should get the money is because of his numbers. But Dak is a very limited quarterback. He's able to get those numbers and produce because his offensive line is that damn good. Not only that, your job is a lot easier when you're able to give Zeke the ball because of the offensive line moves everybody compared to teams around the league. The Bills had a terrible offensive line last year. The Cardinals had a terrible offensive line. The Jets had a terrible offensive line. And all of those teams, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, and now with Joe Burrow, I don't I don't believe you guys have fixed that offensive line problem yet, but all of those teams have young quarterbacks now moving forward. Deshaun is spectacular. He's a stellar quarterback, but we've seen quarterbacks fail because of offensive line issues. And Houston has been in that boat. His first two years, a torn ACL, which I think largely was due to him. But his second year when he played and healthy, he was sacked almost 70 times. We've had that issue before with David Carr. We cannot have this again. So making that trade to bring him in, was it a lot? You can you can make a case. But his very first year, those sack numbers went down almost 20. And Deshaun caused more sacks than what we want to give him credit for. Larry Tunsil was needed because if the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, which it is, and secondly, is giving him some protection. You know, that's a really interesting point because Albert Breer today from Sports Illustrator had a, had a tweet that I found to be pretty compelling. I'm not sure if I find this to be correlative or causative. Or causative cause, causal? Causal, that's the word I want. But the offensive tackles for breakout second-year quarterbacks in the last three years. Carson Wentz had Jason Peters and Lane Johnson. Patrick Mahomes had Fisher and Schwartz. Lamar Jackson had Stanley and Brown. You, you make a pretty good point about the importance of having quality bookends around your young quarterback. My last question for you guys, Deshaun Watson, 
on that topic. Seems like a really fun player to cover. I love how he started breaking down coverages and press conferences in the later part of the year. That's actually something I'm going to ask Joe Burrow when I get to talk to him at some point is if he, what he thinks of Deshaun doing that, if he's ever going to do the same thing, I got to ask Zach Taylor if, you know, he would ever consider giving clues like Pete Carroll, if he'd do film rooms like Bill Belichick. I'm going to ask the same thing of Joe Burrow. How fun is that to have a player that's willing to talk about tape with journalists like that? You know, as a, as a, as a football lover, right? The last time I played football was like serious football was high school and I tried out doing college, it didn't work out. So I went the media route, which led me here. But as somebody who really loves football, just watching it and the beauty of it as a, you know, journalist who who's in that position to ask questions, but also loves the game. You just really want to hear that player talk football, not stats, not numbers, but a breakdown of defense for me is beautiful. And you may, it may not be appreciated for everybody, but for me it is. And one thing it shows me is there's a rumor, and I think it's true because of his NFL career, but there's a rumor that the Oakland Raiders gave Jamarcus Russell blank tapes. And they told him to watch it. And the next day they asked him about the tapes, and he said he was watching Bliss Packages. Now, mind you, the rumor is they gave, and this was also confirmed by Oakland Raider uh, exec, they gave him blank tapes. So when I when we talk about Deshaun Watson, him breaking down tape and breaking down game film and breaking down defenses, what it tells me is he's invested, not only to get better for his own personal game, but he's invested to get better for his team that he's going to lead. And what? Well, who doesn't want that for their quarterback? Who doesn't want that? We've seen the greats like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. You know, we've seen the greats do that. And to know that we have one here in Houston further pushes the fact that Larry Tunsil was needed, but just it's appreciation because you're hitting everything football-wise on the nail. And I love it. I can't blame you for that. One of my favorite things about football at this point is just watching good quarterbacks. With the Bengals being as bad as they were last year, I was all about watching Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, any of these guys that are Drew Brees, great quarterbacks are, are fun to watch. I think you do have a great one in Deshaun Watson. And I, I, there's actually some parallels that maybe we'll talk about when we get back together during the regular season between Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. That was actually a player that came up for my, my former co-host and I uh, as a potential pro comparable. So maybe we'll get a look at that. We, we don't play. We won't talk again for another seven months, I think until week 16 until then guys thanks so much for the conversation this has been a lot of fun absolutely yes sir thanks man that was cody and john from the locked on texans podcast tomorrow we continue the crossover series james who are we talking to tomorrow we'll continue the conversation about the titans in that week eight matchup so we'll uh we'll be joined by locked on titans and kind of continue this afc south crossover that we've done all week yeah, I'm going to have some questions for them about some of the under-heralded players on the defensive side of the ball because the defense, like I said, was so good. But I look at the roster and I don't recognize a lot of the names, so I want to know who the underrated guys are for the Titans. We'll get to that tomorrow along with quarter three of the Bengals' 2020 schedule. Then on Thursday, we'll talk to the guys from Locked on Colts. Friday, though, it's all Bengals all day. We'll get to a mailbag as usual for the weekend. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.